the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. I want you to bow your heads, those of you that are uh, watching with me right now. Uh, and we're going to, before we jump into this, we're going to pray and ask the Lord to open the eyes of our understanding. I want to ask the Lord that he would show us things we've never seen before and cement them in our spirit today by the power of the Holy Ghost. So let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask you right now, before we open up your word, before we teach one thing, that you would open our eyes in the spirit, the eyes of our understanding. Let us see things we've never seen before. Let us hear things we've never heard, but let us gain a revelation of your word that we've never had and cement it in our hearts today in the mighty name of Jesus. I pray you cement this revelation in our hearts by the power of the Holy Ghost. Let us go to a higher level where we're producing for your kingdom. In the mighty name of Jesus, we thank you for it and we give you praise. Amen. Amen. As you're sharing, take out your Bible or your phone or tablet with the app. If you're on your laptop, that's fine. And uh, I want you to go with me to the Gospel of John, chapter 8. And uh, I want to I want to show you something that is, first of all, not it's something people don't really believe in this generation, which blows my mind. It literally blows my mind. Um, but we're going to talk about this, and it's such an important thing. Three supernatural weapons that will defeat sin forever in your life. I'm talking about, now Christ has already defeated sin, the power of sin. However, what I'm talking about is in the life of each believer that, you know, when you get saved, by the way, and thank you for all of you that are sowing seeds and partnering with us. When you get saved, that does not mean that you can, that you'll never, uh, that you don't have the ability to ever sin again. That, that's not what being saved means. And I know without going into a discourse, like a theological breakdown of different uh, camps of who believes what about salvation, uh, you know, because there are some that believe that, uh, you know, what, if you're truly saved, that you'll, you'll not sin. You'll just continue in acts of righteousness until Jesus comes or until you die. And that's the proof that you're saved. But if it was impossible for Christians to sin, then Paul wasted a whole lot of parchment writing back to the churches uh, and encouraging them to live free from sin. You know, he wrote to the Romans, uh, the church in Rome, and uh, and in chapter 6, which there weren't chapters back then, but if, in our chapter 6, as we look through the, the, the teaching he was doing to the Romans, he's encouraging them heavily that sin doesn't have control over you anymore. Don't give in to sin. Don't live in sin. All have sinned. All have fallen short. That's chapter three. You get up to chapter six. He's telling them sin will no longer have dominion over you uh, because you've been made into new creations. You're a different person now. You have a supernatural nature that's come alive to God. But it doesn't mean that it's impossible for people to sin once they get saved. Of course, you and I know that Christians could sin and there's forgiveness with repentance uh, for sins that we've committed, uh, as we see in First John one. Uh, you know that if we'll confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So to think that a Christian could never sin 
is stupid. I mean, through the whole Bible, we see that there is repentance. We see that there is encouragement to live free from sin. But what I want you to see that is not really believed very much by this generation is found in John chapter 8. And uh, in John chapter 8, there is a story at the very beginning of the chapter that is... um, it's a story of, of, of a woman, if you've read this, who was caught in the act of adultery. She was literally caught in the act of adultery. And this is what Jesus says in response to her and those that want to kill her. So obviously, and I'll paraphrase here, that they find her, they drag her out into the streets. They're all ready, the religious people. They're ready to stone her to death. They're ready to kill her. And uh, they start to tell Jesus about it. Look, she's been caught in the act of adultery. You know what the law of Moses says that we're to stone this woman. And so Jesus bends down in the dirt and starts to write with his finger in the dirt. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us what he wrote, but (laughs) when he was done writing, The Bible says he looks up and he says, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more, he bent down and started to write in the ground again. And when they heard it one by one, they left. (laughs) They left, uh, starting with the older ones. And when Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him, he stood up and said to her, hey, where are they? The ones that condemned you, where did they go? Now, we don't know what he was writing. But it's almost as if it's like maybe he's having words of knowledge and he's writing their sins in the dirt. I mean, I've heard, I've heard that said. I don't, the Bible doesn't tell us. But imagine, why are they one by one shrinking away from the crowd? One by one, they're leaving. I think they're all beginning to realize every one of us standing here is a sinner. Every one of us standing here deserves death. And when he's finished writing in the dirt, look at what he says. Uh, she said, there's no one here, Lord, to condemn me. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Now, here's the phrase I want to focus on. Now go and sin no more. You see that? Go and sin no more. So the first thing I want you to write in the comments section today, all of you that are watching on YouTube, Periscope, or Facebook, I want you to write this with me. It is possible to never sin again. I want you to write that in all capital letters if you can. It is possible to never sin again. Pop that in the comments section because this is such an important thought process that we could have today that most people will not believe or agree with you on this on this topic but i promise you according to scripture it is possible to never sin again i want you to write it it's possible to never sin again pop that in the comments section and it's the basis for what we're talking about today because If it is possible to never sin again, now, if it's not possible, let me just say this, if it's not possible to to never sin again, then why would Jesus give this woman false hope to leave that situation? Now, see, there's Bessie. Bessie says, I do not, I don't agree with that. And so, Bessie, I want you to stick around on the broadcast because I'm going to explain to you why it's possible, Bessie. Uh, to never sin again. I'm going to explain explain not only how it's possible or why it's possible, but how it's possible. I'm going to give you both from the scripture. 
So Bessie, I don't want you to leave. I want you to stay because you're going to hear this. Maybe you've never heard it this way before. It's possible to never sin again for the rest of your life. And I'm going to show you why. Number one, this is not the only person that Jesus told to leave and never sin again. There was a man who was brought to him on a mat. This man was was paralyzed. He was crippled. He couldn't walk. And Jesus healed that man. And Jesus said to that man, now take up your bed and walk. Now go and sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. So now we've got two examples in the New Testament of Jesus speaking to an individual and telling them, go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. So he's telling, now here's what's really interesting about these passages. It's interesting that he uh, told them this before he even died and shed his blood for their sins. So literally, they're still living in the old covenant and Jesus by his word. Now, this is an important point to get as well. Anything Christ commands, he empowers. Anything Christ commands, he empowers. Anything Christ commands, it'd be good to write it down. And Bessie, I hope you're still here. Anything Christ commands, he empowers. So even though he hadn't shed his blood yet, by his word, he spoke to these two individuals and empowered them to never sin again by telling or giving them that command, go and never sin again, unless for the one man, lest the worst thing come upon you. So let's move forward. Jesus tells these men, uh, this one man and this one woman, he says, go and sin no more. So then he just empowered them to never sin again. But now we're living in a time where he shed his blood for us, that now we've been made free from sin and death. And now we are empowered by God to live holy, separated lives. One of the things that I think blows people's minds is where... Speaking of of God, the Bible says, um, be ye holy, even as I am holy. God's speaking there. People are like, hold on a second. You're not telling me literally as a human being to be holy as God is holy. God said that. God said that to his people. Be holy, even as I am holy. In the book of Matthew, the Bible says, be perfect, even as your father is perfect. So understand this, uh, you understand the Bible tells us, and Ty, I just quoted the scripture that, I, uh, that, I'm just, that I'm talking about now, be perfect even as your father in heaven is perfect. There is a command from scripture, New Testament scripture, that gives us the understanding we can live separated, we can live holy, we can live without sin. We can live without sin. Now, it doesn't mean that every believer lives without sin. And those of you that are watching and listening, I want you to understand this. As I said at the beginning, just because you get saved does not mean you'll never sin again. But once you get saved, you are now empowered by the Holy Spirit to never sin again. And I'm going to give you three weapons that God has given us that keep us free from sin. 
three weapons God has given us that keep us free from sin. That's what this broadcast is about today. So number one, we see that in the New Testament, Jesus said to two people that we know of to go and never sin again, and they left his presence empowered by his word to never, ever commit another sin. I remember when I was in Bible school, I had a guy that told me, he came to me and he said, he said, you know, every night when I go to bed, I pray that God would forgive me of my sin. He said, you know, even if I can't think of any sins I've committed that day, he said, I, I, all, I always pray that prayer anyway. He said, because sometimes we sin and we don't even know we're sinning. And I took a step back. I said, really? I said, you believe that we as Christians can sin and not even know we're sinning. He said, oh yeah, happens all the time. He said, we could be sinning all throughout the day and not even know we've committed a sin. I said, well, if that's the case, if we can sin without even knowing uh, that we're sinning, I said, then the Holy Spirit is failing at his job. And he looked at me funny. Uh, He said, what do you mean? I said, well, the Bible says, that the Holy Spirit was sent not only to convict the world of sin, but to convict believers of their righteousness. To convict believers of their righteousness. I want you to look at this with me. Um, I'm now in the Gospel of John chapter 16. Listen to what the Bible says regarding the Holy Spirit. It says this, uh, I'll start in verse five, but now I'm going to him who sent me. This is Jesus speaking through this whole passage, by the way. This is all red letters, and he's speaking about what's going to happen. He said, now I'm going to him who sent me, and none of you asked me, where are you going? But because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I don't go away, the helper, that's the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I'll send him to you. Now look at verse eight. This is so important. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. So I want you to see that is so important. You get John 16, eight, John 16, eight. He said, when the Holy Spirit comes, his job will be to convict the world of sin, of righteousness and of judgment. So the whole job of the Holy Spirit as he's sent by Christ is to bring conviction to the world. He convicts sinners of sin. He convicts the righteous of their righteousness and reminds us of judgment that is to come. And so understand this. If we could sin throughout the day and never know we're sinning, then the Holy Spirit has left our lives and the Holy Spirit is not even on the earth and the Holy Spirit's not doing his job, but that's not the case. When you, if you were to commit sin, the Holy Spirit will let you know. He will convict your heart. He will prick your spirit and pull you back into the place where you're supposed to be by his convicting power. So understand, you cannot sin and not know you're sinning. You can't sin and not know you're sinning as a believer. The Holy Spirit is there for the purpose of convicting your heart. But remember this. The Holy Spirit's not just there to convict you. The Holy Spirit is there to empower you. He's not just there to convict you. He's there to empower you. Now, 
we go to Acts, the book of Acts chapter one, one book over, and we see the words of Jesus recounted again. And this is what the Bible says in Acts chapter one, verse eight, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and then you will be my witnesses. You see that? And then it talks about all the places. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and unto the ends of the earth. But you'll be my witnesses. The Bible says, and Jesus said, that the way that we will know if someone is a follower of Christ and of God is by their fruit. By their fruit, you will know them. By their fruit. So that means by their actions. Because you can't see the inner part of a man. I can't look, I can't look at a person and look at their inner man unless God were to reveal it to me somehow and let me see by a vision. But I can't look at any person and see their inner man. So I can't look at you and see if you're saved or not by looking at your spirit and say, oh yeah, his spirit's renewed. I can't see your spirit. But Jesus taught the way we'll know if someone is a believer or not is by the actions that they produce in the natural. So the things I do, what I say, how I act, the choices I make, those are all signs that I'm a believer. They're all signs that I'm a believer. But according to Acts 1.8, it is the Holy Spirit who empowers us to be a witness like that, to be a witness. So my life is empowered by God to produce actions of righteousness to produce actions of righteousness. Do you understand? My sin nature that used to control me, that gave me no access to God, is dead and has been killed in the spirit. Understand this. And I guess if if you need a a clearer understanding of this, you are a three-part being. Most people understand that. You are a spirit man. You have a soul and you live in a body. Now, you know as well as I do, no matter how long you are saved, Your flesh, until it's glorified by God, your flesh will always want to do what pleases the flesh. It'll always want to do carnal things. It will not want to praise God. It'll feel tired. It won't feel like going to church. It won't feel like walking in love. It won't feel, none of the, it won't feel like reading the Bible. It won't feel like praying. It won't feel like praising. It won't feel like giving. Your flesh, according to Galatians chapter 5 and verse 17, your flesh is constantly at war with your spirit. So it doesn't matter if you've been saved 50 years. Although your spirit man is not only saved and renewed and justified, Uh, According to scripture, it is renewed day by day. Every morning when you wake up, your spirit man's renewed. But your physical man, your flesh, is not renewed. And that means that you have to pull it under subjection. That means you've got to control it. And that's why Paul, the apostle, said and taught to the Corinthian church, 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 27, he said, I've got to put my body under on a daily basis. So that after having preached to other people, I myself will not become disqualified. So what Paul's teaching them is, is that no matter if if my spirit does the work, if I preach to other people, if I become this powerful super apostle, if I don't control my flesh, I could fall back into sin and become disqualified at the end of my life. So Paul understood, and he's the same one that wrote the Galatians, uh, the letter, and told him, your flesh is warring against your spirit. The same Paul that wrote that to them is the one that said this, I've got to take this flesh body 
and subject it to what the spirit of God wants. So what he's teaching is, although my flesh keeps wanting to do sinful things, by my spirit, I am now empowered to tell my flesh to shut up. You don't get what you want. You can't have sinful desires and you cannot fulfill them. I'm telling you, be quiet. I'm controlling you now because I'm empowered in my spirit and I've renewed my mind and now I've got control over my flesh. It doesn't control me. I control it. So understand before you're saved, here's why people that aren't saved can't, can't do anything but sin is because they don't have a renewed spirit. They have a, uh, they don't have a regenerated spirit. They have a dead spirit, according to scripture. The Bible says they were dead in trespasses and sins. So a dead man can't control anything. He's dead. And that's why people that are not saved cannot control their fleshly desires is because sinners sin. It's what they do. I've never gotten offended by a sinner who's committing sins. I understand. It's all they can do. It's all they can do. Sinners sin. So, because they're dead. They're in that place where they can't control their flesh, man. They can't control it because their spirit is not alive. And there's no way for them to renew their mind. They can't. They're dead. So I don't get offended at sinners who sin. It's what they do. I don't get offended at lions that roar. You understand? Lions roar. It's what they do. But for a Christian, it's different. For a Christian, you are alive in the spirit. Your spirit man has been renewed by God. You can renew your mind. And now you've got power from the Holy Ghost to subject your flesh to the things of God and tell your flesh, you will not sin. You will obey the word of God. You will not sin. You will obey the word of God. Three weapons that help us to live sin-free lives every single day of our lives. What are they? Number one. If you're taking notes, the first weapon that allows you to control yourself and to live free from sin is the power of the Holy Spirit, and in particular, the fruit of the Spirit who lives in you. The fruit of the Spirit. So number one, it's the power of the Holy Spirit. Number one, the power of the Holy Spirit. And in particular, the fruit of the Spirit. And in Galatians chapter 5, we have the fruit of the Spirit. But as you know, we're going to focus on one of the nine fruit of the Spirit as this weapon, and that is self-control. Self-control. The reason that self-control is not a self-help message is because there's no one that can truly control themselves, as I just said. There's no sinner in the world that can control themselves out of a sin nature. It's impossible. You cannot do it without the blood of Jesus and faith in what Christ did for you. The power of the Holy Spirit is number one, the fruit of the Spirit, self-control. So we understand that all nine of the fruit of the Spirit are spirit empowerments. That's so vital to get. You know, sometimes I think when we're being raised in the things of God and we're being taught about the fruit of the Spirit, I think that people imagine that the the fruit of the Spirit are just choices that we make alone. Now, they are choices, but they're not choices we make alone. You know, I, I do have to choose to walk in love. But here's the real question. How do I walk in love when I'm dealing with a person 
that I have no desire to walk in love towards? How do I walk in love towards a person who I feel like getting in a fist fight with? Well, now you realize this is not a natural choice. This is a supernatural choice. And now, as I read in Acts 1-8, you shall receive power and be my witnesses. One of the things I do to become a witness of Christ is let the fruit of my life be proof that I'm a follower of God, which means now the Holy Spirit has empowered me to make choices that are supernatural. What is a supernatural choice? Walking in love towards somebody that I feel like kicking in the head. (laughs) Obviously, that's a supernatural choice. How do you override the fleshly feelings you have for someone and still walk in love toward them even though you don't feel like it? It's supernatural. How, let me ask you this. How do you have peace that passes all understanding? What does that mean? It means no one can understand why you're so peaceful because they can look at your life and see all the things that are happening around you and the storms may be raging and you're sitting there completely peaceful with a smile on your face. How can you make a choice to have that kind of peace? It's because it's not just a normal choice. It is a spirit-empowered choice. It's all by, by the power of God. So when we talk about what I consider to be the most important fruit of the spirit, self-control, you understand that it's not just a self-help message that I'm just going to take control of myself. No, I am empowered by the Holy Ghost to control myself. I am empowered by the Holy Ghost to control myself. So the first weapon God has given us is the power of the Holy Ghost to now take supernatural control over my flesh and over my mind. And it does not control me. They do not control me. My spirit, empowered by the Holy Ghost, is in control at all times. Is in control at all times. So that's number one. So you understand this. The first weapon is the power of the Holy Ghost empowering us to live in self-control. The second weapon that God has given us is found in Psalm 119. And I want you to turn there with me. Psalm 119. I teach this because so many people think, as Bessie, as Bessie said, and I, and I don't fault her because I'm sure, I am sure that the teaching she's heard, as many have heard, is that this is impossible. It's not possible to live free from sin. And to think that way is to just give people false hope and put them in a place where you know, you're just frustrating them on a daily basis. But that is not what the Bible teaches. It's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches we can live free from sin. David is writing in Psalm 119, and he gives us weapon number two. The second weapon given to us by God to live free from sin on a daily basis is God's mighty word. This mighty word right here. Listen to what Psalm 119 and verse 11 says. David wrote, I stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I've stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And so the word of God, being filled with the word of God, is a weapon that keeps you free from sin. Why? Why is that the case? Because the Bible teaches us that out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth will speak. Out of the abundance of your heart, not what's a little bit in your heart, what's, the, what's filling the abundance of your heart. 
So number two is God's mighty word, filling yourself with God's holy mighty word. Why? Because the more you fill yourself up, I just, one of the chapters that I just finished for the book further faster is a chapter on internal honor internal honor. You know, you could, you can just take actions of honor towards somebody if you want to, but if you don't honor them inside your heart, those actions will come to an end because what you actually do comes out of the fullness of your heart. And if it's not in here, it will, there, there'll come a time where you can't fake it anymore. It won't be out here. It has to be in here before it can be out here has to be internal. So David said, I'll hide your word in my heart. I'll fill myself with your word so that my words and my actions will all proceed from a place of filled with the word, filled with the word. It doesn't matter. You know, you could have, you can call yourself a Christian, but watch this. In the same way, you could take a tube of toothpaste and instead of toothpaste, even though the whole tube has all the graphics on the outside, you know, of of the toothpaste brand, Crest, Colgate, whoever, you've got the tube. It looks like a toothpaste tube. It looks, it's got all the graphics. It's the same thing, but all the toothpaste has been removed and what you've put inside is grape jelly. Well, it doesn't matter how much you want to get toothpaste out of the tube. It's been filled with grape jelly. So when you squeeze that thing, although it looks like toothpaste should be coming out, what's really going to come out is grape jelly because that's what you filled the tube with. And you can be a tube that's supposed to look like a Christian. It can say Christian, it can go to church, it can dress like a Christian and everything else. But if you fill it with something that is not what it's supposed to be filled with, when that individual is squeezed, that's what's going to come out. Out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth will speak and your actions will reflect. And so, you know, we call ourselves Christians, we go to church, we that's that's our culture, but if we don't fill ourselves, like David said, with the mighty word of God, then what's going to happen is in the moment that you're squeezed throughout life, no matter what you're doing in life, when you are squeezed, what will come out of you will always be the things you filled yourself with. And David said, I'm going to keep myself from being in that position by filling myself with the mighty word of God. There's got to be some time in your life where you set up and say, listen, I'm going to create for myself a plan to read the word of God on a daily basis that's going to fill me up with supernatural virtue. This is so powerful. Listen to what Jesus Christ himself said regarding his own word. I'm now looking at the gospel of John chapter six. Listen to verse 63. It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. They are spirit and they are life. You know what that means? God's word is supernatural life and it's supernatural spiritual virtue. When it fills you, what you're filling yourself with is supernatural virtue and supernatural life. It's powerful. And David knew that secret. And he said, I'm going to fill myself with the mighty word of God. And he didn't even have all the word that we have today. Think about that. David did not have all of the word that we have today. He only had a portion of what we have. Only a small portion. We now have the fullness of the word of God to fill ourselves with on a daily basis. 
It's crazy to me. You know, it made me cry. I watched a video of, um, and you guys may have seen this video as well, and I don't cry. You know, I'm, a, I'm one of those guys that's like a shouter, jumper, dancer, runner. I'm not, I'm not like a, a crier, but I saw this video of um, an unboxing of, of a box of Bibles, John 663, Samson. An unboxing of Bibles in China. I don't know if you saw that video or not, where all those people had been waiting and waiting in the underground church to receive their own copy of God's word in their language. And when that box was unboxed and they ripped the packaging off and the tape, and I'm talking about, you talk about like ants coming in on a morsel of food. People ran in from every direction into that box, tearing it apart to get their own copy of the Bible. And when they got it, kissing it, holding it, like it was like it was a baby, like a newborn baby, holding, hugging, crying, weeping, kissing, kissing God's word, holding, hugging, loving, f- feeling it on their face. I mean, I don't know if you guys have seen that video before. That people who had never a void of God's word were, could not have their own Bible. Could not have. It's illegal to have your own Bible. It's illegal to read God's word. It's illegal to go to church. And when those people got their hands on God's holy written word that they could not have for however many years they'd been serving the Lord, and then it was sent to them through the underground church, and they ripped those boxes open and they got their own copy to see the love they had for God's written word, that they kissed it, they hugged it, they held it, they held it to their face. And then we've got Christians in America that have 15 Bibles in the house and don't ever pick one up to read it. 15 Bibles in the house. There's three in the car. There's six on your bookshelf. You got two in the kitchen, one in the living room, and nobody picks it up. We have to develop again a love for the mighty word of God. And it's got to fill us until we overflow. Until everything we say, everything we do proceeds from an internal stash of God's holy written word. It's powerful. David knew it. He said, I've hidden this word in my heart that I may not sin against God. The second reason that Christians fall into sin and that uh, that that many that you can also be free from sin is the word of God must be in your heart, filling you, filling you uh, internally. People that don't fill themselves with God's word are now trying to please God by taking actions that they have no fuel to take. Think about this. It's like getting in a car that has no gas in the tank, and then you're trying to leave to go somewhere to go do something, but you can't because there's nothing inside that pushes you and pushes the car as you're trying to go. It's the same with the word. There's people that are going to try to do things to please God, and they can't do that because they've got no fuel on the inside of their spirit to go do the thing that they're being asked to do by the Lord. And so understand this today. Number two, the second weapon is the mighty word of God. Fill yourself with it on a daily basis. Find a way, whether if you if you do a walk or a workout, put your earbuds in and let the word of God play. But sit down. You know, we'll sit down and do, you know, four episodes of a show on Netflix that are 50 minutes each. Sit down for 50 minutes with your Bible and come up with a reading plan. I always tell people nine chapters of the New Testament a day is the New Testament every month. Three chapters of the New Testament a day is the New Testament four times a year, once a quarter. Take time to read the mighty word of God and fill yourself with it. Number two, or number three, excuse me, Matthew 26. Matthew 26. I want you to turn there with me. The third supernatural weapon 
that keeps you in a place where you'll live free from sin is found in the words of Jesus to his disciples in Matthew chapter 26 as he takes them to the garden of Gethsemane to pray as he's preparing for his uh, crucifixion. And he takes them out into the garden and encourages them to pray and tarry with him. And as, he, as he's come, coming back, what does he find? He finds his disciples sleeping when they should be praying. Verse 40 says, and he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, you couldn't even hang with me for one hour? Watch. Now look at verse 41. Matthew 26, 41. He said, you could not watch with me for an hour? Now look, watch and pray. Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. For the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. So the third supernatural weapon that'll keep you free from sin is daily prayer and add to that times of fasting. Daily prayer and add to that times of fasting throughout your year. Prayer. Prayer, according to Christ, is an element in the spirit that will keep you from falling into temptation, Jesus said. Temptation you could, Arthur, to answer that question, Arthur's asking, for those of you that are listening on the podcast, how do we not have pride when the flesh always has pride automatically? You can kill pride in your life by the ways I'm teaching today. You can become meek and humble. You can literally become meek and humble. The Bible says in James chapter four, God resists the proud, but he gives more grace to the humble. Jesus said in Matthew chapter five, blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. So you have the ability by the Holy Spirit to push pride out of your life and to become a meek and a humble person. The flesh does not rule you, Arthur. The Holy Spirit's power allows you to rule your flesh. So just because pride is an act of the flesh doesn't mean you have to be a proud person because you have flesh. It means you kick pride out of your life and you live a meek and a humble life. You live in humility, not pride. And that's what I'm teaching today is that you can take control over these sins of the flesh and kick them out of your life and live free from them on a daily basis. Every single day, you can live free from them. You know, that would saying that you can't live free from sin would be as foolish as saying to somebody, well, you can't work out every day. It would, it would, it would be impossible for somebody to work out every day. Well, it might, listen, it might be, um, uh, it might be inconvenient (laughs) to work out every day. You might have to move some plans around. You may have to move some things in your schedule around, but it's not impossible to work out every day. And in the same way that it's not impossible to work out every day, it's not impossible to live free from sin every day. And Bessie, I hope you're still watching. That's right. The spirit controlled life. Bessie, I hope you're still with us on Facebook and understanding this, that number one, Christ commanded sin free life. And when he commanded it, he empowered it. And then God gave us an expectation from his side, be ye holy, even as your father is holy. He said, even as I am holy. And then in Matthew, be ye perfect, even as your father in heaven is perfect. So Christ has, thank you, Bessie, for staying with us. Uh, Christ had an expectation. God has an expectation. And then God gave us these gifts, which are weapons, the Holy Spirit, the power of his written word and prayer to keep us in a place where we subdue the flesh 
We subdue the flesh, we renew the mind, and we live empowered by the spirit. Our spirit can lead our lives, not our flesh. And see, here's the thing. Because we're a three-part being, by reading the word of God, you say, well, what about renewing your mind? By reading God's word, that's one of the things that you're doing that's renewing your mind. Because if you look into Ephesians chapter 5, where it talks about uh, the way that, let me read it to you. Um, Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 25 and 26. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her, watch this, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. So this word is a cleansing agent that when you fill yourself with it, our minds and our spirits are renewed, especially our minds, because God renews our spirits, but we renew our minds by washing it with the water of the word on a daily basis. That's why Paul had so much to say about what you think about. Set your mind on things above, not on things of this earth. And of course, if you guys have any questions, please pop them up in the comments. I'm happy to answer questions on this as we're finishing the teaching here. But, but understand this, the word of God read on a daily basis renews your mind. And then Paul said that by the spirit's power, you can set your mind on things above, not on things of this earth. Whatsoever things are pure, holy, of a good report, if there be any praise, if there be any virtue, think on these things, which means you can also control what you think about which blows some people's minds. Because here's the, here's the thing that I always get from people. Well, I can't control the thoughts that pop into my mind. No, that's true. You may not be able to control thoughts that pop into your mind, but you can control whether or not you dwell on those things, whether or not you dwell on those things. In fact, the Bible teaches us that we have the ability to take every thought captive and make it obey Jesus Christ. So that means that we have the ability not only to renew our mind by the word and subdue the flesh, but when thoughts try to come in, we can take the thought captive, make it a prisoner, make it obey Christ, and then set our minds on things above. We can choose what we dwell on, what we dwell on, what we take time to think about. And that is important. That is important. Maybe I'll take tomorrow because this is a subject that's not often taught in Christian in, in the Christian church or Christianity as a whole because uh, we think about uh, a subject like meditation and we look at meditation and say, well, that's a new age thing or that's a Buddhist thing or, you know, we look at meditation as though there's some, uh, you know, world religion, some false religion that developed meditation. That is not true. That is not true. God is the one who developed meditation. In fact, he encouraged his people to meditate. He encouraged his people to meditate. So you understand, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm, maybe I'll take tomorrow to deal with this, the power of meditation, what it does, and why it's not something from some world religion or from New Age uh, theology or New Age philosophy. Uh, it has nothing to do with that. God initiated and created meditation for his purposes, and he shows you the benefits. He shows you the benefits of meditation through his word. So today I want you to understand there are three supernatural weapons that allow you to live free from sin on a daily basis. The power of the Holy Spirit, 
who empowers you to live by the fruit of the Spirit is one. The power of God's written word that you fill your spirit and renew your mind with. And then number three, the power of prayer and fasting that keep you from falling into temptation in the day of temptation. You understand? So there is, there is a way to live completely free from sin by the power of God. And that's what God has as an expectation for every one of us because see, sin is a killer. Sin always kills whatever it touches. It always destroys whatever it touches. And that's why we've got to stay free from sin. If you're watching me today and there's sin in your life, I want to lead you in a prayer right now, right now, and ask God to touch you and ask God to forgive you. And if you've never prayed this prayer before, I'm going to be in touch with you. But I want you to pray this with me. Those of you that are watching that you know there's sin in your life and that you want to be free from sin and live for God and please him with your life, Pray this prayer with me. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for sending your son to die for me. I confess that he is Lord, and I believe in my heart that you raised him from the dead. Today, I'm asking you, forgive me of my sin. Make me new and give me the power to live for you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer with me today, I want you to go to my website, miracleword.com. And I want you to click the button that says, I just got saved. I just got saved. I have a video there that I want you to quickly watch. I want to get some information from you. And then we want to stay in contact with you, send you some things that are going to build your faith and, uh, and set you on a path to live pleasing to the Lord and make an impact in your generation before it's too late. Listen, I want to take a minute and encourage every one of you that are watching today to sow a seed into this ministry. Those of you that are watching that you're faithful to this uh, broadcast, and I appreciate you. I see you every day, almost every single day. I see every one of those names. Uh, I want to encourage you to take a moment and sow a seed by faith. Those of you that are partnering with us, thank you. Those of you that aren't, what we're talking about is people that would stand with this ministry at you know a monthly uh, seed, whether it be $50. We're encouraging people to begin at $85 a month. That's $1,000 a year. And that's what Carol and I have prayed for, is that people would stand with us in partnership as we're reaching out in this world to do more than we've ever done to see people changed by the power of God. And I'm telling you, this year has been the best we've ever seen, but it's getting better for 2020. I can't even... I can't even tell you the things that are getting ready to happen, but it's so supernatural. <laughs> it's so supernatural. I can't wait. I can't wait to see the fruit that's coming back. And you're a part of that. So those of you that would like to t- partner with this ministry, go to miracleword.com, click on the partner page, and uh, right there you can fill out the form to be a part of what God's doing in this ministry every single month. And we say thank you. If you'd like to give by PayPal or Cash App, there's the information on the screen. Those of you that are you're listening to this on the podcast, you can click and drop down the description of the podcast, and there's links inside the description that you can click to sow a, a, a seed today. And I want to say thank you to every person that's doing that and being a part of what God's doing at Miracle Word Ministries. We love you so much. Now, tomorrow, I'll be back with you at 1030 again, and then... Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we're going to be at Ministers and Leaders Conference in Tampa, Florida, my wife and I uh, and the kids. And um, if you're there, we look forward to seeing you. Uh, But if not, I'm going to put some podcasts and things up for you to listen to for Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. And then we're going to be back, as I said at the beginning, we're going to be back starting next Monday 
uh, from Crossroads Community Church in Fitchburg, Massachusetts. Pastor Brian Tomes, my father, will be there, and uh, I'm hoping that he'll be on the broadcast with me uh, at least a couple of those days. Monday through Friday, uh, we'll be on 10.30 a.m. as normal, and then at night, 7 p.m., we'll be uh, live at Crossroads Community Church for the fall camp meeting. Uh, It's going to be phenomenal. If you can get there, I really encourage you to get there. It's going to be amazing. I love you guys. Thank you for hanging with me today. Uh, I think Dr. Rodney is live right now. I want to encourage you to go tune in uh, at the River for Ministers and Leaders. should be live on Facebook and YouTube. Check it out. I love you guys, and I'll see you in the morning, 1030 a.m. Talk to you soon. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.